there's comfort. Is that going on in your life? Is that going on in my life? As a kid, um, my dad sometimes would discipline me. I miss my dad. He would discipline me, and it would be hard, but he loved me. But I knew I had a dad because he would correct me. He would discipline me. When's the last time Jesus disciplined you? It's a good thing. He would say, Martha, Martha. His disciples. And so it's funny because I think God is trying to discipline the nation. He's trying to get our attention. And I'm wondering if, if we get it. Well, we come here to worship him. Even now, I pray that there's been things happening in your mind and your heart. Yeah, Lord, you know what? That area, I have to surrender to you. Yeah, Lord, you know that area, I want more of you. Yes, Lord, that area, Lord, forgive me. Hopefully, that's been going on. If not, well, open your Bibles with me. Mark chapter 14, we continue going through uh, the Word, through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And uh, this morning, we are in Mark chapter 14. As we pray before we uh, dive into the teaching, hopefully, hopefully, um, God is going to speak to us this morning. I know he's been speaking to us Sundays, Wednesdays. It's been great. Um, so let me call your attention to verse 16. Um, we're going to read that in a moment before we pray. And this morning, I'd like to think with you about the um, question, what matters? What really matters? And here in verse 16, We see the result of um, the relationship of the disciples with the teacher. We see the results. Look with me at verse 16. So his disciples went out and came into the city. 
and founded just as he had said to them. And they prepared the Passover. Lord, I thank you for the beautiful people in this room. What a privilege, what an honor. What a responsibility to teach your word now. Lord, would you please fill me even now with your Holy Spirit. God, do a work in me that my trust would only be in you. You know everyone here. You know the heart. You know the the joy, you know the fear, you know the failures. Lord, it's a privilege to be in a room of people that have gotten up Sunday morning and they're here to worship you, to study your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for everyone here, everyone that's listening by the computer, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for keeping us during this time. And those that have gotten sick, thank you that you're greater than any sickness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we walk by faith, not by fear. We walk by faith, not by sight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that in all the madness, you are still holding your people together. And because of that, you're holding the nation together, Lord. It's you. Every police department that's functioning, Lord, you are holding it together. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that we can see that the world is spinning. But it's not just spinning. It's spinning out of control. It's imploding, Lord. But you, God. You're the reason we're here this morning, your presence. Lord, your, your, your peace, your power. So God, fill us. May we visit with you. May you do arranging and rearranging, Lord. May we desire your truth. And may we be changed so when we leave this property... We, as salt and light, have an impact on the world around us. Again, we pray for every law enforcement agent, Lord. We pray for the police. We pray for law enforcement. We pray for firefighters. We pray for everyone here this morning, retired, unemployed, employed, whatever job, field. We pray the students among us this morning, Lord, bless them in their studies. May they not just learn the subject matter. May they learn that you're faithful. Thank you for familiar faces. Thank you for faces we haven't seen in, in a while, Lord. And God, we just rejoice in you. You're, you're just so amazing. We pray for the church, the body of Christ. We pray for so many that are still not meeting. We pray for them, Lord. Thank you for service online, but the church is not online. The church can only be done one way. Thank you for the church, Lord.
In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Verse 16 shows us that the disciples followed the instructions of the teacher, the master, the savior, Jesus. Not just the spiritual leader, but the son of God. Not a philosopher, not a psychologist, not a psychiatrist. A simple itinerary preacher, son of a carpenter, Jesus Christ. The disciples of Jesus, the believers in Jesus, they followed the instructions of Jesus. His word was final. Maybe you could debate it, maybe you could doubt it, but his word was their life and their command. He instructed them to go to prepare the Passover. He told them that they would meet a man that would be different from uh, most men in that culture in that time. He gave them information how they could identify him. And they set out in obedience to Jesus. Their life was about obeying the word of Jesus. That's a Christian. That's a disciple. Not someone that just sits in a chair. Not just someone that has a political party affiliation. Not someone that's just looking for this nation to improve a little bit so I can still go after the dream. No, a disciple of Jesus is someone that gets the word of Jesus and obeys the word of Jesus. And when you think about what matters... What is really important in life? Is it just black lives? Is it white lives? Is it law enforcement? Is it what, what matters? Look here at verse 16 and notice that so his disciples went out and they came into the city and they found it just, here's the key now, as he had said to them. And as they found that what Jesus said and spoke to them is what came to pass, well, they continued to align themselves in obedience in preparation to the instructions Jesus had given them. So it's very simple here. Front row, thank you for sitting in the front row, second row, and we go all the way to the back. Thank you for being here. Are you a Christian? Do you get the words of Jesus? Do you follow the instruction? Sometimes maybe doubting, sometimes maybe thinking, really? A man carrying a water bar? You know, really, Jesus? Really? Okay, I'm, I'm going to obey you. Here we go, Jesus. You know, wow. Igualito que como me lo dijo. When I get excited, I bring it to Spanish, you know. Just like he told me. The Word of God says that lawlessness is going to increase. The Word of God says that in the last days, deception is going to be running rampant. The Bible says that in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. The Bible says that. And the Bible says that when you see these things increasing, look up because your redemption draws nigh. Jesus is about to come. He's coming. And so the disciples, the believers, the Christians doesn't say if they were Baptist, Methodist, Calvary Chapel, like Roman Catholic. It doesn't say that. Those that Jesus was number one 
here's where I get myself in trouble, and I don't want to alienate anybody. I mean, if, but I got to give you truth. If it's Mary in front of Jesus, you're in trouble. If it's anybody in front of Jesus, if it's Ras in front of Jesus, man, I miss Ras. I hope you're not saying that. I don't miss Ras. I'm enjoying Pastor Zach. God is doing a great work here. Why? So that your eyes will be on Jesus. You want to get the word of Jesus. You want to see in your life that you're obeying the command of Jesus, not just for you, but there's a personal command and then there's a regular command. Be faithful. Be loyal. Be timely. Be responsible. Do things with excellence. Be humble. Those are the words of Jesus. And so verse 16, if you don't get anything else, it tells us here, they found it just as he has said to them. That's what matters, the word of Jesus. Law enforcement can have a great time. Law enforcement can be on the fire. I don't know how anyone can be in law enforcement without God today. I really don't. But those that have God, they know, hey, just as he said to them, because he told me to do this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stand for the law. I'm going to protect. I'm going to serve no matter who's in, no matter who's out. The whole department may quit. I'll be here because I'm serving the Lord first. It should be the same way for a doctor. It should be the same way for a student. It should be the same way for a soldier. It should be the same way for a Christian, a believer. It's so simple to live life that way because confusion comes my way. What's going on? Is this right? Is this wrong? Is this real? Is this fake? What does Jesus say? Here comes. Que dice Jesucristo? What does Jesus say on the matter? ¿Qué dice Jesucristo eh, con respecto a la situación? I shouldn't do this, but put a marker there. Go with me to Romans. Go with me to the book of Romans. What does Jesus say in the matter? What's important? What really matters? Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. That's the word of God. That's what Jesus says on the matter. Why are we confused? Why do we have to have a vote? Do we fund? Do we defund? Let every soul be subject to governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And authorities that exist are appointed by God. So what happens here? If you're going against authority, you're going against God. And God didn't appoint rebellion. God didn't appoint destruction. Somebody else appointed that. The Word of God says that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. What's really matter? What, what's really important? What's important in your life? What's important in my life? What are you standing for? What are you praying for? What are you concerned about? Here's the word of Jesus. The authorities that exist are appointed by God. And when they're wrong, God will deal with them in his time. But as we talk here this morning, have you ever, how many of you here this morning, maybe watching by computer, you're going to lift up your hands if you want to. I can't see it. But how many of you this morning have ever heard of a doctor that was supposed to operate the right side and operated on the left? Any of you have ever heard that? Made a great mistake, that doctor. Do we get rid of doctors now? Hey, let's defund the doctors. That makes sense, right? Authorities are appointed by God. Verse 2, therefore, whoever resists 
the authority, resist the ordinance of God. And those that resist will bring judgment on themselves. What really matters? What's really important? Verse 3, rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. I don't hear that. I don't hear that. I hear people that bring shame to their job. But along the line, there's been people there that have not been law-abiding citizens. I don't hear that. And here, what the Word of God says is, do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you, and it's for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. I'll stop there. I'll go back to Mark chapter 14. Why did we go there? I don't know, Ras. You just like to be unpopular. No. But if I could get just the three young men in the front row to pray, if I could just get you to pray, Lord, what's happening to this world? It doesn't make any sense. Lord, we need to hear what you say on the matter because eventually, ultimately, that's what really matters, what you say on the matter. Are we praying, church? Are you praying tonight at 6 o'clock? There's going to be a prayer service here. Are you going to come? I can. I understand that. Will you set your smart device so that at 6 o'clock you begin to pray? When are we going to pray? When everything is done, when everything's imploding, when police departments are disbanded. Oh, no, Pastor, that only happens in Minneapolis. Really? So I guess the enemy just wants Minneapolis. Starts with an M. What else starts with an M? Help me out here. Miami. That will never happen in Miami. Stay tuned. It's happening in France. You see it in Europe. You see that what's happening is going throughout the whole world. In your time, in my time, in our watch, in your watch, are we praying? So here in, in Mark chapter 14, we see what really matters. Now let's dive in and we'll pick up in verse 1 now. And between verses 1 and 2, if you're taking notes, um, you, could, you could outline this as offense. Here in verse 1 and 2, we're going to see that there's authority that has that sense that they've been offended. Read with me. Look at it. After two days, it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes, they were seeking how they may take Jesus, take him by trickery. They wanted to put him to death. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. This word offense, if you're taking note, it's a word that means to break, to breach the law. It's a word that means illegal. It's a word that uh, means um, 
how can I say this, um, an illegal act. So the Pharisees, it tells us here, do you see that there? The chief priests, these are the religious leaders of the time. And they have a sense that Jesus Christ is an offense to them. They've taken offense. They think that Jesus Christ is breaking the law. It's breaching the law. So here they decide in this week, remember Sunday, Jesus comes triumphantly into Jerusalem. Remember that? Remember Monday, Tuesday, we've been looking at some of the things that took place. Many scholars believe that uh, now after two days, after two days, now many scholars believe that this is coming on Thursday. Wednesday coming on Thursday. So, so after two days of the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, now the authority, the scribes, they're seeking how they could take Jesus. Now, you would think that that's their authority, right? When do, does authority get in trouble? Look at what it says here. They wanted to do it how? Come on, say it out loud. They wanted to do it how? Trickery. What does that word trickery mean? If you're taking notes, it means bait. They wanted to bait him. It's a word that means bait, craft, deceit. It's a word that means decoy. It's a word that means guile and trick. They wanted to take Jesus. They wanted to kill Jesus, but they wanted to do it by decoy, deceit. They, they wanted to be crafty. They wanted to trick him. Now, here's the only problem. Who do they want to trick? Help me out here. Interactive. Who do they want to trick? Jesus. It's a bad day when you want to trick Jesus. <laughs> you can't trick Jesus. You can't bait Jesus. You can't con Jesus. They wanted to get him, but they got a ploy. They're going to do it by a trick. Their authority, but they're wrong. And so they got to resort to trickery. And in their authority, notice what they said, though. Verse 2, we're going to do this, but not during the feast. Now, here's the problem that they have. When does Jesus offer himself? When does Jesus go to the cross? Exactly during the feast of Passover. Why? They said something. They made a decision. But God had also said something. And God had also made a decision. So family, let's get this this morning. God's word. It comes to pass. God's plan. It comes to pass. What do you think? 90% of the time? 98, 99.9? What do you think? Help me out here. Say it like you mean it. I can't hear you. That's pretty close. Say it a little bit better. Come on. 100%. Rest is not going to get in the way. No pastor. No president. I'm, I'm almost about to mention his name, but I, my daughter's not here, but she's praying for me. So I won't mention this guy's name. But no matter how wealthy he is, no matter how influential he is, no matter how many governments he's toppled down, no matter how much he's funding unrest, he will not win against God's plan. I don't have to fear. I know you are here. It's working good right now. 
You don't have to fear. They went out and they found just as he had said. Interesting. That's verse 16. But verse 1 and 2 starts with the Pharisees, the political brokers, those that know people in high places. And they said, not during the feast. Homework, Psalm 2. God sits on his throne and he laughs. The wicked flee, right? Even if no one is pursuing. So that's the first two verses and offense. These guys are offended. They take offense. Now, verses 3 through verses 9, you can contrast it that with an offering. Remember, this morning, what are we studying? You come here this morning, we've worshiped the Lord, we're studying his word. Okay, as I leave here, what is my life going to be about? Offenses, when I'm offended, when people come against me, I'm going to offend people? Or is my life going to be about offering? Offering. Well, the word offering, what does that mean? It means to make a contribution. It means to show support, love, and value. Offering. It's an interesting thing. What really matters? Well, if it is what Jesus says, then what's more in my life? Is my life about offense or is my life about an offering? Well, let's read this here, verse 3. Let's pick up there. And, and this is wonderful. Being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, incidentally, that's how he's known, but he's been healed. Jesus healed this man. And that's where Jesus is, being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. As he sat at the table, a woman came and having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of spikenard. This was very expensive. I stop here a second, interrupt the teaching, look to your eye. This is something that a, a woman would use for her wedding. This is something of like extreme value for a, for a woman. This is like the most valuable thing as she thinks about her marriage date. You know, she thinks that it's funny because to the left here, I see Swanee and Carl. I remember when they got married. It was a special, a special thing. We were all so happy. You know, we were there, Calvary Chapel, 67 Avenue property. They get married, and we had so much joy. And then I look to my right here, and I see Jake and Christina. And, you know, I remember when they got married. And then I look over here, where I, oh, they are back there, you know. Um, Joey and Melissa, and, and, and it goes on and on, and, you know, I'm not trying to leave anyone out, but for, for those brides that are about to get married, that's important to them. And so Jesus here, he's sitting, he's sitting, and he's eating there at Simon, you know, the leper, you know, people have gotten together here, and then this gospel tells us that this is Mary, you know, and Mary comes with this very expensive thing. It was the custom in those days that when you have people over to your house, you would put a little bit of perfume on them, you know, just to, you know, they, they got bare feet, they're walking or sandals, you know, they get sweaty and dusty. And now they come into your house and sometimes you would wash their feet and then you would take some sweet smelling fragrance and you would put it on them just a little bit because you did this to different guests. But not this lady. What does this lady do? Well, let's keep reading here. It tells us that then she broke it. She broke the flask. She poured it on his head. Another gospel tells us and on his feet. Something happened here that there's, there's Jesus, there's Simon the leper, they're at Calvary Chapel there in uh, Bethany, you know, and, and, and they're having a meal, they're having a celebration, right? And, and everybody's doing their thing. Remember, I looked at the back there, you're with me, right? You're tracking with me. We're, we're on the same page here that Jesus already knows that he's going to die. 
And the authorities, they say, we're going to take this guy, we're going to kill him. So in the air, everybody's, in a sense, offended by Jesus. There's an offensive act against Jesus. It's like anything is acceptable except Jesus, right? And so now here's Jesus, and it seems like everybody's kind of like with the wave or quiet. But this lady, Mary, is like she gets it. She gets it. It's like she comes in, and the most valuable thing to her, the most dear thing to her, she's going to give an offering to the Lord. Remember, what does offering mean? To give support, to show love, to show value. In other words, this lady comes in, and she says, the most valuable thing in my life, Jesus, it's you. That's what really matters. See, if Jesus matters, then everything that's supposed to matter is going to matter. But it's almost like if Jesus is not the matter, then it's almost like nothing matters. Eternally, we're talking about. She comes in and she breaks it. It's like, I'm not going to save a little bit. No, this is all. I'm not married. I may get married, but that's not the important thing right now. The most important thing is that this is the most precious, valuable thing to my life and my dreams coming through and my stability and my future and my family. This is the most important thing. But right now, you know what's the most important thing in my life I've discovered? It's Jesus. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to be about offense or offensive my life is going to be about making an offering. And so, it's an interesting thing. In the midst of an action that's valuable, heroic, inspiring, what should that do to you? What should that do to me? It should convict me. Hey, man, Lord, what, what, am, I, what am I doing? What am I giving? Lord, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get something, you know? That's what it should do normally. But when your heart is wrong, you know what it does? Look here at verse 4. But there were some who were indignant among themselves. And now they start saying, why was this fragrant oil wasted? Imagine that. Hey, guys in the back. I hope it gets to you. Isn't that wild? Here this lady is making an offering. Jesus is the most valuable thing to me. I'm going to give Jesus the most valuable thing to me. And imagine someone here in this place today saying, imagine Pastor Joey. I'll, I'll pick on him, you know, because he does. Or Pastor Chris. Imagine one of the pastors saying, that's a waste. You know, people, you're doing children's ministry right now. That's a waste. Imagine Enrique and Dora this morning saying, you know what? We're going to dedicate our lives to the Lord, and we want to serve here, you know. And, and someone coming to him, you know, pastor, is there a pastor? And, you know, Pastor Carl, you know, going to them and saying, that's a waste. You, you guys are wasting your time. What do, you, what do you mean you're going to do that? This is what's happening here. So what really matters? Some are you with me. Some of you are not with me. Some people, what people think is the only thing that matters so if Enrique Andorra will be the kind of people that what people say matters, and they say, well, I, I guess we won't do it then, you know. You know, what do people think of me? What are people going to do? That's what matters. And so to some of these people, what mattered was money. What mattered was their interpretation, their thinking, because this lady comes and she gives. This thing was very expensive today to the tune of over $25,000 or maybe even more. So she gives this thing of great value, and she just pours it on Jesus' head and on Jesus' feet. And so they're thinking, man, this, this is a waste. 
And, and in case you're going to take a nap or in case I lose you, notice this. Anything you do for Jesus will never be a waste. I'm not going to mention any names, but there's some people here that they vacuum. There's some people that come in and they clean the church. They clean the bathrooms. You know, there's some people here that they clean the toilet bowl. By the way, volunteers are always accepted and welcome. You know, uh, you know <laughs> that's a different teaching. But it's never a waste. Every toilet that you scrub for Jesus. Incidentally, that doesn't only work in the church. That works in the house too. Incidentally, parents, the kids are going to hate me right now, but it, man, it's a good thing. Hey, Friday, Junior, you got the toilet. Hey, Monday, you got the toilet. House, you know, house, everybody should be doing something in the house. Some of you are saying, go to the next point, Pastor, go to the next point. I know some homes that you see the kids, they're small, they're already putting clothes in a dryer, they're putting clothes in the washing machine. That's kind of like how I grew up. Seven, eight years old, I was doing my own clothes. I'm not trying to bring attention to myself, but, man, that nothing that you do for Jesus is a waste. Parents, to instruct your kids to do their share. And this is like a home. This is a family. Could you imagine if everyone here this morning was doing their full share in serving the Lord? Could you imagine what would happen in the body of Christ? What would happen in Miami? What would happen in this place? But this is the best one. Could you imagine what would happen in you? Come here today, you know, I saw parking lot ministry, you know, taking place, smile. I said, how do you know that? He was wearing a mask. I, I, it came out of his, through the mask, I could see the smile. You know, they were helping me out, moving something. They, they kind of jog to it. It's not like, oh, you know, that you do what you do knowing it's not a waste. You sing to the Lord, it's not a waste. You worship the Lord, it's not a waste. On Wednesday, first Wednesday of the month, we have communion. When you come and you break bread together. It's not a waste. They said about this later, ah, that's a waste. Some were indignant among themselves, and they said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? Mary, your life is a waste. Your thinking is a waste. Your decision is a waste, you conservative Biblical Mary. This could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. Have you ever been in the front of criticism? People criticize you? Verse 6, but Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a good work for me. Circle those two words, good work. You know what that means? Beautiful, beautiful. Jesus is saying, leave her alone. This is beautiful what she's doing here. Why is it so beautiful? First, Jesus says, verse 7, listen, the poor you're going to have always. I stop. I think with you. What are some of the things that we're always going to have? I know maybe it's too relevant. I know some modern-day Christians can't can handle what I'm saying. It's too old school for them. But let me tell you something. As long as man is in this world, you're going to have discrimination. You're going to have discrimination with you always. You know why? Because discrimination is a sin. You know why? You're created to discriminate. You know that every one of you here this morning, you discriminate. You get two pieces of cheesecake. You leave the, the, the one that doesn't look good. Which one do you choose? You haven't tasted it. You haven't examined them. 
You don't know them. You're not valuing that cheesecake that you're putting aside. Every one of you discriminate. Is discrimination right? Not when it's human beings. But that's a frailty of sin. How do you deal with discrimination? Get Jesus in people's hearts. Get the gospel in people's heart, and then they will not discriminate. Correction. When they do, they'll be convicted, and they'll ask for forgiveness, and they will repent. And then on this side, you're going to tell me you're going to deal with discrimination, but then the results of your actions are destruction, are burning, are breaking the law, are criminal. But once you get the power and the authority, I'm really concerned on what you're going to do then. Because if you're doing this at this point, can you only imagine what's coming? And again, don't charge this to the teaching, but you won't have to wait too long. I think we might see what's coming unless the people of God repent and pray. Oh, there you go again, Pastor. Yes, there I go again, standing for righteousness and justice and godliness. The poor you're going to have with you always. What does that mean? We're not going to take care of the poor? No, that's not what that means. What that means is I pray, I act, but I know that what really matters first is Jesus. You see, if Jesus is not the matter, you're going to help the poor, you're going to feel good about yourself. But there's a lot of people, a lot of people that might be in hell, and they did a lot of good things, but Jesus didn't matter. You hear what I'm saying? Did you hear that? Who do you think you are? Nobody. But if you're in hell, I try to warn you so that you wouldn't get there. Because it's a real place. I, I don't believe in hell. Okay? But Jesus did, and he taught it. And I believe in heaven. And I believe in light. How do you know light? Because there's darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. Heaven is where God is. It's full of love. What's hell? Where God is not. And there's no love. And you don't want to be there. The poor you're going to have with you always. Okay, how do I deal with the poor? Jesus, anoint me. Jesus, open my eyes. Jesus, make my life useful. Make my life meaningful, Jesus. Jesus, increase my prayer life. We're going to get to that. But moving on, what's the point here? This is all happening before Jesus goes to the cross. Verse 7, the poor you're going to have with you always. And whenever you wish, you can do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what could, what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body. What are those three words? Can you read them out loud just to see who's following, who's with me? She has, she has done this beforehand to anoint my body for what? For burial. How is it that you get buried? What, happens, what has to happen before you're buried? You've got to die first. Jesus knows he's going to die. 
You see, family, I hope I could explain this to you. I hope you're here with me. Jesus knows he's going to die soon, physically speaking. He's going to offer his life on the cross for my sins, for your sins. It seems like none of them are getting it. It seems that the people that are coming against this lady, they're not getting it. But in this room, there's one person that's getting it, and that's Mary. She's getting it. She's getting it. You're going to die. But before you die, Jesus, I want you to know you're the most important thing to me. You're the most valuable thing to me, Jesus. Jesus, you're going to go to that cross, and you're going to hang on that cross for my sins. Jesus, I want to go on record. That means something to me. And so I'm going to give you the best I have because you know what, Jesus? You're going to give you all of you. You're going to give the best of you. And you're not going to be just about feed the poor, feed the hungry. No, Jesus, you're more than that. You're going to be about your soul. Is it damned or is it forgiven? Jesus, what are you going to be about? Are you in bondage to sin or are you free? Because you're going to know the truth and the truth is going to make you free. You're going to be free. Corona's got nothing on you because you're free. He has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Nobody gets it right now. Están en las nubes. My mom used to say, tú estás en la luna en Valencia con los pastores de Belén. I think she added that. You know, you're in the moon of uh, Valencia. English, help me out. Venice, no? Or Spain? No, Valencia, Spain. What is it? You're in the moon of Spain, and you're with the shepherds in the field. She used to say, Racielito, estás en la luna de Valencia con los pastores de Belén. What is that translated? You are deceived right now. You, you don't see what's happening. You're just waiting for sports to come back on the television, and you don't get what's going on. I've locked you in for three months so that you would spend time with me. Pastor Zach keeps telling us, are you going for the Lord? Are you reading your word? Pastor Zach keeps telling us, are you seeking more of God? Are we listening? We're in the moon. We're not getting it. God has given us this time to tell us, guys, prepare. This is real. The things you think are important, they might just disappear before your very eyes. And then you're going to be dealing with a lot of things that if Jesus is what matters, you're going to make it. But not only are you going to make it, you're going to inspire. You're going to take people with you. You're going to show people that they might have the argument, but you have the substance. Not only do you have Jesus, but Jesus has you. You don't have to enter into arguments. You're not trying to win an argument. You're not, sometimes you know just to smile and you stay quiet. Sometimes tears come to your eye, but you're listening to Jesus. She got it, and Jesus makes it known. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. You guys don't get it. Verse 9, so what's the result? Mark chapter 14, hopefully you're there with me. What's the result? He says, uh, surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world. Did you see that? Those two words, whole world, Jesus, for the whole world, the Muslim, the Buddhist, the China, the Jew. For Jesus is for the whole, this gospel for the whole world. You know what they're going to hear? What this woman has done. And you know what? It's going to be told as a memorial to her. I'm, I'm holding on, but right now I just want to jump out of here, but I'm holding on. I'm holding on. 
and you thought it was a waste, it was an investment. It was an investment. The most valuable thing to her, she invested it in Jesus. Jesus, I'm going to take that which is the most valuable thing to me in Jesus, I'm going to give it to you. And Jesus says, yeah, well, watch what I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give you a name. I'm going to give you a legacy. I'm going to give you world recognition that what you did for me, I recognized it, and everybody in the world is going to recognize it. Wherever they hear this gospel, like today in Miami, they're going to hear about your investment. So I look to you. I see my friend over there. Are you investing in Jesus? Yeah, you turn around. You, I'm telling you. <laughs> Broke your wrist, healing. I'm talking to you. <laughs> Young people here, you're investing in Jesus. You're being pure. You're being celibate. You're being honest. You're being holy. You're being godly. Wife, you're investing. You're loving your husband. I, I, I. <laughs> you know, you're loving your husband. Husband, you're, you're loving your wife. I should have said, wife, you're respecting your husband. You're making an investment. You're giving Jesus the best. Law enforcement agents in the house, you're, you're serving the Lord. You're still putting on your uniform. You're still going out there in an ungrateful society that right after COVID, because not, it's not just what happened, but the timing of when it happened. These men and these women are going to calls, you know, and they're exposing themselves to a virus just to protect and to serve. And right after that, you know what we said? We don't need you. All of you are the same. All of you? What are you talking about? You're standing against discrimination, and now you're going to discriminate every law enforcement? Aren't you doing the very thing that you're standing against? What, what, are you, what are you talking about? But here's what Jesus says. When you offer me your heart and your best, Jesus says, I take note of it. And you, Mary, the whole world, where this gospel goes. They're going to know you. Why are they going to know? Here's a lady that valued Jesus. And instead of being offended, she made an offering. What offering will you make to Jesus in your life, in this season of your existence? What are you going to give Jesus? It's funny, you know, the things that people take to Salvation Army. I got to pray for those people that have that job, you know, where they're in the trailer because the kind of junk that they come when they give it to them, you know, it's like, why are you bringing this here? This is a trailer. This is not a, this is not a dumpster. And it's a funny thing, you know, sometimes in churches, I remember I grew up in churches and they used to bring the old sneakers for the missionary. The broken things. Oh, this is for the missionaries. What, you think, <laughs> you think? But some people go, I'm going to buy brand new shoes, and this is for the missionaries. They're serving the Lord. So, you know, missionaries that are being beheaded, missionaries that are being persecuted, what really matters? Do, do your brothers and sisters throughout the world, do they matter to us? Are we praying for them? In Iraq right now, believers in Nepal, in India, in Haiti, in China, in Cuba. Man, there's a lot of reason to come here to, tonight at 6 o'clock and just pray. Lord, I pray for the missionaries in, in Peru, in Honduras. I wonder what's going on in Utila. I still pray for Utila. Lord, 
What are we giving? Are we giving our best? Well, moving on between verses 10 and 11, you're going to see that after the offense and the offering, now we're going to see bitter, verses 10 and 11, and then we're going to see better, and that's going to be verses 12 through 25. So let's look at the bitter. It tells us here in verse 10 that then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, he went to the chief priest. Wow, this is crazy. Talk about an oxymoron. Talk about this doesn't compute. Talk about, you know, after Mary gives her best and Jesus ratifies it, Judas, are you still going to hold on to bitterness? Are you still going to be holding on to unforgiveness? Verse 10, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. And when they heard it, man, they were glad because they knew they were going to get Jesus somehow, but not one of the 12. Surely these guys that have seen Jesus walk on water, surely these guys that have seen Jesus open up the eyes of the blind, surely these guys that have seen Jesus multiply the fish and the bread, surely these guys will never betray Jesus, right? Surely. So now here's Judas. You want Jesus? I'm going to help you get him. Judas. Really? Why are you doing that? I don't have the time to go into it, but listen, family, don't harbor bitterness in your heart. Don't, don't feed on forgiveness. Maybe your parents are bad to you. Maybe this happened. And that's what's happening. That's what I see happening in our nation. They're, 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 they're feeding bitterness. They're feeding on forgiveness. And, and that's, that's, that just makes you bitter. That brings destruction. When they heard it, they were glad, and they promised to give him money. What? <laughs> what, Judas? For money, you're going to betray Jesus? For moolah? For filthy lucre? For money? Not you, right? Not for money. For money? Look at this. And he promised to give, they promised to give him money. And so he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Conveniently. Ah, Judas. Judas, Judas. No wonder I have not seen a kid named Judas. What's your kid's name? <laughs> Look at my new baby. What's his name? Judas? Betrayer for money. Write this down. For 30 pieces of silver, Judas handed Jesus over. Incidentally, covetousness. Covetousness. He wanted recognition. He wanted, he wanted satisfaction. He, you know, some people try to make Judas look good. They say that he just wanted to precipitate the salvation. But pero, pero write this down. Here's the irony of it. I got to look to you guys as I say this. Just to see if you're listening. How much did Judas get? 30 pieces of silver. He never spent it. Betrayed Jesus for money. He never spent it. It cost him heaven. For 30 pieces of silver, he gave up heaven. Never got any gain out of it. 
it resulted in pure loss. <laughs> I think of the guys that I see, you know, they, they're working and they're working. Not that it's bad to work, but they're working and the wife is saying, honey, I miss you. And they keep working and working. They, they go through the signs, honey, uh, your kids is missing you. You know, we went to the, to the ball game and, and your kid kept asking for daddy. And he's working and he's working. And, and, and for that which he's investing everything. President, owner, CEO. But his kids want nothing to do with him. His wife is broken. I see my friend, my brother back there, and man, I, I don't know how we're going to get together, Joey. We, we got to get together. Again, make it happen, Joey. Call me. Call me, please. But you know, sometimes we, we, forfeit, we forfeit what God has in plan for health or for money or for fame or for reputation, and we never get to enjoy it. We never spend it. And then there's God, there's Jesus. Jesus, I'm willing to do anything. My health, you know, I got to walk this road here, Jesus. Well, let's walk it. But Lord, in the process, I, I want more of you. Bitter. Judas was bitter, and because of bitterness, he betrayed Jesus. Imagine that. The Son of God, the one that, the one that was there in creation. Imagine Imagine Jesus, the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, man, it, it, imagine, G and Judas betrays Jesus because he's bitter. And now this is where you're going to be surprised. I got, I got the makeup to hold on to bitterness. I'm created that way. I could, I could, I could you know, I could just replay it in my mind, and they did me wrong. It's like some people, they feed bitterness. This movie forgives me. I don't want to watch that. I want to hold on. They, they, they harm me. Me hizo daño. Me hizo daño. They harm me. They, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. And you go to say, it's not fair. Have you ever thought about the fact that you got a brain that can evaluate fair, not fair, and God gave you that? And then it's funny. The guy that was so upset at God because he had a splinter in his nail until he saw the person next to him that had no hand. Or the wife that's bitter at her husband, you know, but she doesn't see that widow that lost the husband that she loved. And we could, we could always go with this, the, the, my, my skin complexion, the color of my hair, the curliness in my hair. I hope you come next Sunday. If you do or not, that's up to you, but, but I am black. And, I, and I've experienced discrimination, and I've experienced rejection, and, and, I, and I've seen my dad, and my dad is blacker than I am, and it's funny how people, well, how black are you? Well, I'm black, 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 you know. I got a PhD, I'm black, you know. Wait, wait a minute. But anyway, that's another, but, you know, but I heard the stories from my dad, and I heard the stories from my grandma, and, you know, a capable, educated woman that, that was passed over for jobs and was discriminated in Cuba. And that's a joke where people say, in Cuba? No, we have discrimination. Really? What Cuba do you come from? You know? <laughs> <laughs> they could be as discriminating as anyone 
and we all need repentance, and we all need Jesus. But my dad taught me. He said, son, nobody owes you nothing. The world doesn't owe you nothing. The government doesn't owe you nothing. Nobody owes you nothing. The white men don't owe you nothing. Nobody owes you nothing. And son, when they discriminate you, you study, you work, you be a man of respect, you be a man of influence, and you let your life speak. My dad, I learned that from my dad. And by now, I probably lost all of you bitterness. How people can, oh, but, but they wronged me. Okay, they wronged you. So what are you going to do? You're going to live there forever? And it seems like our society needs to hear that. Discrimination is a problem, but fatherless is a, is a grave problem. See, I couldn't demonstrate and write because I would have to deal with my dad when I got home. I had a dad. I remember that time I, I bought a fountain pen. I found this nice fountain pen, and I bought it home. My dad says, where you get that pen? I was so happy. Fountain pen. You know, everybody was using those Vic pens, you know. I had a fountain pen. Dad, I found it. He says, really? Where'd you find it? Well, I found it. He says, well, here, tomorrow, take that pen and put it back where you found it, because in this house, we don't find anything. In this house, we work and we buy what we want to use. We don't find anything in this house. I was so upset. I said, I can't stand him. I was so mad. And then when I got older, he told me the story. Son, if I would have let you find, bring that pen, then you would have found a car. Then you would have find. <laughs> your whole life would have been about finding things. My dad showed me discipline, how to work, how to respect, how to take it. Take it, and if you're a man, you keep going, and you show them by your actions. You don't have to burn. You don't have to demonstrate. You study, you work, and you be a man of integrity. You be a man of principle, and let your life speak. I had real curly hair. I've gotten so old. Everything, you know, now is straight. <laughs> the little I have left. I wanted to have straight hair, and I wanted to be, I know what it is to be in those shoes, but listen, the only thing that changed my life was Jesus. When I found out that Jesus loved me, if I'm good enough for Jesus, then I, I, I want you and I want your love, but if I don't have it, I'm good. Bitter. And we want to get to better, but we want to get better at what we do, and we better stop because we ran out of time. If the worship team comes forward, there's going to be pastors up front here to pray with you. Something bothering you today? Something's hurting you? Did I say something that, that got you upset? Come up front. Let's pray together. I know that if you're watching on the computer, you can't come up front. But, hey, if you want to send me an email, I'll respond back to you. And uh, ahead of time, I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going to love you. I don't argue these things, you know. Um, Mark chapter 14, what an what a excellent chapter because by the time we get to the end of it and next time I get a chance to teach, we'll pick up right where we left off. But you don't have to wait till then. Read it on. Read the chapter on. Uh, but the way that the chapter ends, you're going to see that just as Jesus said, man, it, it comes to pass. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we pray this morning and we that had dads, we thank you. We thank you for fathers that dared to stand and they stood for you and they stood for righteousness.
Thank you for fathers that have wisdom. I know this isn't Father's Day, but, Lord, in a sense, every day is Father's Day. Every day is Mother's Day, Lord. And, God, we pray. We, we pray that you forgive our land, that fathers are absent, Lord, and nobody's, nobody's saying that. Lord, I wonder what would happen in our nation if the same revenue and effort and, 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 and the intense spirit was used to say we need fathers to stand up and we need fathers to stand by their kids and support them and discipline them and to be present. I wonder what, what would happen, Lord. Uh, Father, I wonder what would happen if we pray. My prayer life would deepen, Lord. And, and this morning I come before you and before my family here and I ask you, Lord, help my prayer life become more, more active. Lord, thank you for Mark chapter 14. Thank you for the things that we've been able to see here today. And in wrapping up this service and in wrapping up this prayer, God, we would ask you that instead of being about being offended or being offensive, Lord, would you help us to be people that we're making offering, offering to you, Jesus, giving you what's valuable, giving you what demonstrates that we love you. Again, Lord, we pray for anyone here that does not know you, anyone here that maybe they're bitter and they don't even know it. And we pray for those that are here and they're bitter and they know it, Lord, that they will come for front, up front today and maybe pray with one of the pastors. And today would be the day of beginning of that bitterness to give way to your sweetness, to your healing love and promise that in this world we're going to have tribulation, but we don't have to fear. You've overcome the world. Jesus, we, we praise you this morning. You didn't have to do that. You could have just taken Mary's offering and said, thank you, you're special, I love you, see you after the cross. But you said, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, Mary, they're going to see your heart. They're going to know what you were about. When everybody was out of lunch, when everybody didn't get it, Mary, you got it. And you acted. You put actions to your love. And Mary, I appreciate it. I thank you. You prepared me for my burial. So, Father, if we learn that, if we get that, may we be a people that we're about offering you the best, Lord. If we're supposed to work with the youth, Lord, pretty soon we're not going to be able to do that. So may we get about your business now. If we're going to be missionaries, if we're going to do missions trips, Lord, if we're going to serve in the church, Lord, if we're going to, in the last few uh, time and laps we have left, if we're going to try to give you, Jesus, our all, it starts here. It starts with the body of Christ, your church. And so I pray today, Lord, I pray that you would move throughout this room and speak to people. What are you going to offer the Lord? What are you going to give to the Lord? And Lord, I pray, I pray that there's not just one person here that they're giving you, but they know it's not enough. It's nothing compared to what we can give you. And we're going to give you not to get, not to feel justified. We're going to give you, Lord, because you mean everything to us. You're what we value the most. And Jesus, you really matter. We pray in Jesus' name.